With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain opportunities. Optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. to today's edition of Culture Shots. This is Barry Lynn. Uh, today we're talking about a book that was first uh, out 10 years ago, a big book at the time, Food Politics, How the Food Industry Influences Nutrition and Health. And that, by the way, is not in a terribly good way. Its author, Marion Nessel, is with us. And, uh, Marion, I want to welcome you to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Okay, here's uh, something I noticed when New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg decided to forbid the sale of gigantic soft drinks in the city of New York. There were some libertarians who said, look, this is a violation of the rights of the people. They turned this into some kind of a near constitutional crisis. If you ask those people whether they drink giant sodas, though, they usually would say stuff like, well, of course not. And if you probed further, you'd say, well, why don't you? And they'd say, well, it's not good for you. So if something is known to be bad for you, why shouldn't governments using scientific Panels, for example, be able to say you can't sell this anymore. It kind of seems like common sense, even for libertarians. Well, I can't speak for libertarians. They have a <laughs> point of view that's usually quite different from mine. Uh, but I do think that government has a role in promoting the health of its population, not least because government has a role in paying for the costs of medical care if people get sick. Um, so you can't have it both ways. Uh, and the reaction to Bloomberg's soda cap, not a ban, by the way, a cap on That's soda true, it is a cap. was really 
extraordinary, and some of it, I think, came out of genuine belief that government shouldn't be involved in these kinds of personal choices. Um, and a lot of it, I think, was promoted by the soda industry, industry which sunk a fortune sure. into fighting the soda cap. Um, you know, on the question of whether the government has a role, I think the government has a role. And on the question of choice, the choices that we have that are available to us are promoted in many ways by the government. It's not an accident that these kinds of large sodas are available. Of um, they're there because the government supports the food industry in lots of different ways, and that has enabled the food industry to produce these kinds of uh, drinks that don't cost very much to produce. That's right. Doesn't doesn't cost much to produce a bigger one than a smaller. No, one. it doesn't. Well, that actually gets into the one thing that I, I think. Uh, people have raised. In fact, I'm talking to someone last night about the fact that we were going to chat. Uh, he suggested this. It, you know, you can always go, these are, this is not that you can't buy large sodas. It's in specific places. It's a cap. It's not a, a ban. But let's say, you, you, you know, you go to the movies and you, uh, it only costs an extra quarter in most places uh, to, to get the supersized soda over the medium-sized soda. Um, but if you're maybe if you're a wealthier family, you can go in and you can buy each each kid a medium-sized soda. But let's say you're going to share it around with three kids, and uh, but one is not going to be enough. And you see where I'm going with this? That it gets to a point where um, some people it doesn't make a difference buy two sodas instead of one giant one. But for other families, maybe that's a big deal to spend the extra dollar. Uh, how do you? How does that fit into your kind of ethical well, you calculus can, You here? can always think of exceptions and problems and inconsistencies, and there were a lot in this proposal. Most of the research shows that whatever is purchased is consumed by one person. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there are going to be exceptions. Sure. But in general, on average, uh, if somebody buys a 64-ounce soda, that person is going to sit with that 64-ounce soda during the entire movie or right. as long as it takes for them to get it down. <laughs> right. And they may not drink all of it, but they're going to drink most of it. Sure. And they're going to drink more from that 64-ounce soda than they would, or a larger proportion from the 64-ounce soda than they are from a smaller one. Yeah. So the um, the 16 ounces didn't come out of nowhere. It's two standard Department of Agriculture servings mm -hmm. for soda, um, and it's exactly at the cut point for what uh, health people are recommending as the maximum amount of sugars that people should be taking during a day. The maximum sugar. The, the maximum sugar, yeah. one 16-ounce soft drink. Um, and I don't think most people realize how much sugar is in these things. It's lots. And the 16-ounce uh, soda has 50 grams of sugar. That's yeah. quite a lot. That's quite you enough know, for, many, for any for many one person. People, for many people, it's 10% of their daily calorie intake. Um, and uh, people would be healthier if, if they had 
if they were drinking less. Sure. Nobody, nobody is banning soda. Nobody no. is saying nobody should ever drink soda. No. But people would be a lot healthier if they drank a lot less. That's right. And, and unlike uh, some of the libertarians who would say this is a huge constitutional crisis and they compare it to, well, there's a lot of junk food, yes, but there's also junk literature. But there is a protection in the Constitution for freedom of speech. I don't think there's anything communicative about drinking a large a soft drink except maybe a burp at the end, which doesn't count. So there is a big difference. Yeah, I don't think it counts. And, you know, what the Bloomberg idea was, was to let's make the default healthier. And by that, um, he meant, and in general public health people mean, that people tend to take the default. If you go into a restaurant with your kid and you order a happy meal for the kid um, and the meal comes back and it's perfectly healthy, everything mm. in it is healthy, yeah. your kid is going to get a healthy meal. If yep. the default meal is something that's junk food, your kid's going to get junk food. Most people go with the default. There will be exceptions that's right. and people can always order what they think they want or what they do want uh, on top of that. But the default is what most people live with, and that's why a lot of people are talking about changing the food environment in order to make the default choice the healthy choice. Exactly, and the default choice, of course, uh, one needs the kind of constant education about health and about the kinds of things that we ought to know if we're going to be nutritionally sound and we're going to pass that on to our kids, which reminds me of donuts. I don't eat a lot of donuts, but when I did eat donuts in the past, I used to like uh, Krispy Kremes and I'd get them on the long road trips and, you know, that was great. Now they use uh, no trans fats in those donuts. I don't particularly like the taste of that particular brand of donut anymore, but ironically, uh, it turns out that in most cases, they're the same number of calories that there were before getting rid of so-called trans fat, and that this phrase, which is stamped on everything now, no trans fat, is itself misleading. Well, it's not. It doesn't have any trans fat. It's just replaced it with a different kind of fat. Yeah, well, I call that misleading. Trans fats were never about calories. They never were. They were about... Uh, raising the risk for heart disease because of the particular kind of fat right. that's in there. Um, so taking the trans fats out doesn't make them a health food. I'm surprised that you can take taste a difference because yeah. there shouldn't be any difference in taste. Really? No, I, I mean, I, I think I can I, tell I'm, the I'm difference. Quite, I'm quite surprised by that. There should be no difference in taste whatsoever unless they change the kind of fat. The only difference was that the trans fats were hydrogenated, which has no taste connected mm. with it. And it has texture, but no taste. Right. Um, and they've been replaced maybe with a different kind of fat, but it really yeah. shouldn't make any difference. That's interesting, because uh, I was just looking at our engineer who suggested that he, he thinks he can tell the difference, too. Maybe it is in the consistency of the product. I, I don't know, but it's... Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it but it's be. probably... Or, or it could be that they just went to a different kind of fat. Yeah, that's another possibility. Okay, we're talking to Marion Nessel. She's the author of Food Politics. First came out 10 years ago. Now I 
out in its anniversary edition, revised and expanded. We'll talk about what some of the programs and procedures of the current administration are, how they differ, if at all, from the past, and how the pressure from the food and beverage industries in this country is still a major factor in determining what food we have and just how good for it it is. We'll be back with Marion Nestle in just a minute right here on Culture Shucks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Ouch! My back is out again! Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. 
It's time to prepare for an uncertain future at the Midwest Self-Reliance Festival, June 28th, 29th, and 30th at the Valair Ballroom in Des Moines. Tickets are only $6 per day or $12 for a three-day pass. Speakers include Jackie Clay of Backwoods Home Magazine, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy of Doom and Bloom, and Jack Spearco of the Survival Podcast. There's 100 free conceal and handgun classes each day, and you'll gain valuable knowledge as you learn how to prepare with beekeeping, soap making, canning supplies, cooking with solar, gold and silver, seed banks, and water purification. There's even a free apple seed shoot for the kids. Check out the Longevity booth and the health product line with pharmacist Keith Abel speaking about natural, healthy living. The Midwest Self-Reliance Festival, June 28th, 29th, and 30th in Des Moines, Iowa. Presented by My Patriot Supply and sponsored by Genesis Communications Network. Visit ValairBallroom.com for tickets and find us on Facebook at the Midwest Self-Reliance Festival. We are back, and we're talking about food. We're not eating it. At least I'm not. But Marion Nestle, the author of Food Politics, authored the book 10 years ago. It's now out in paperback in a revised, expanded version for its 10th anniversary. Uh, we're not only going to talk about junk food, but I have to go back to this soft drink idea, Marion, just for a minute. I, I did. I was a huge consumer of sugared soft drinks for a long part of my life. I never liked the no-calorie stuff. It, I thought it tasted terrible or whatever the chemicals were in worried me, even if I had no basis scientifically for it. Maybe there is. I didn't like it. Now I occasionally do have a soda, a small 10-ounce Coke, and I feel satisfied usually for several days. Those little 10-ounce cans, Coke decides to market them under some pressure, but what kind of pressure, and is that step of any significance at all in your View. I'm sorry, I missed what the step was. Oh, the the, the ten ounce cokes, the little the the little cans ah. that you can buy. That to me is enough for a week. Oh, what's interesting about those small um, cans that have been produced is that they cost more. On yeah, the yeah, they do. Yeah. So there's a penalty for choosing a smaller size portion. And when I've complained about that to various people uh, in the food industry, they say, well, if people want smaller portions, they should be willing to pay for them. <laughs> There's something about that that just doesn't compute in my mind. Well, um, but, yes, if you're given a small one, you'll drink a small one. If you're given a bigger one, you'll drink a bigger one. We're human. That's how we work. Yeah, I guess my question is more about the, the industry itself, the soft drink, the beverage industry. When, when they at least do this and some of us you know we've noticed that they cost more but we still you know we've learned we've heard the studies this is not good for you so we really want to cut back i mean you're talking to a former super consumer at mcdonald's i mean as they defined it i stopped all of that eating and i stopped almost all my soda drinking but if i have that 10 ounce can i mean at least it's available i'm not tempted by the 16 the 32 isn't that us, will you give them a little credit for that as an industry? Oh, I will give them credit yeah. for it, except that you have to buy eight of them or 12. Well, yeah, you do. They, co they come in a pack. You can't yeah. buy them individually. That's true. Um, and they cost more. And so the incentive that's built into there is to get the two-liter size um, because hmm. it's 
cheaper, yeah. and you get a lot more for it. And we like bargains. We do like bargains, but you know, we—I guess it's, at some level, again, it's—it's it's kind of like that example of going to the movies and having all your kids with you. I mean, there, there, there is still a point where you just have to decide, even if it costs more, it's not healthy, and I'm I'm going to pay it because it's the best option out there. What about these so-called uh, uh, natural flavors that you find now in bottled water? You know, it's supposed to taste like cherry, and some of them have no calories at all because they have nothing in them, no sucralose, no stevia, no anything. What do we know when all is said and done here about artificial or even so-called natural sweeteners that can be awfully sweet in those no-cal sodas and waters? Yeah, I have sort of a simple way of dealing with this, never eat anything artificial. So all of those things are off the table for me. I just don't like artificially flavored anything. Um, I don't like the way they taste. I find artificial sweeteners to have a bitter aftertaste. Of course. That, that's quite unpleasant. Um, and I'd rather get my calories from something other than liquids. Um, you know, I'm okay. getting but- If I'm going to to portion out my calories, I don't want to drink them. Okay, I understand that. You and I don't like the flavor, therefore, and uh, we don't like the idea of chemicals. But what's what's the scientific basis for people worrying or not worrying about all these chemical substitutes for sugar or these so-called natural alternatives uh, to cane sugar, for example, that you know, they still use in Cokes in many parts of the country or many parts of the world, some parts of this country. The industry just says not to worry. Don't worry. We tested all this. Do you believe them? Oh, I don't know whether to believe them or not. The FDA says that they're all safe at current levels of intake. Hmm. Whether they're safe for people who have lots, I don't know. Um, I tend not to spend very much time worrying about things that I have absolutely have no control over. Um, and I deal, I don't buy these things. They're just simply not on my radar. Okay, but you um, were a member of the FDA Food Advisory Committee, the Science Board. I mean, you, you had a responsibility. Uh, oh, to, no, 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 no. You were not. No responsibility. No responsibility. You were just an advisor. No. When we did, oh, yes, we were advising yeah. after the fact. Oh, I see. Uh, when, when we had our exit interviews, I was on the first food advisory committee for the FDA, and when we had our exit interview, we were told that our job was to give advice to the FDA about decisions that it had already made in oh. order to give them a heads up on what the reaction was likely to be to their decisions. Good grief. That's a heck of if an exit If I had known interview. that, I wouldn't have wasted all those years on that committee. And, and do you consider all of that wasted time? And was there no point where you thought, you know, maybe what I say, even in regard to an after-the-fact decision, the next time there's a rulemaking, maybe somebody will say, you know, I remember that Nestle woman. She said something about it. Was well, it total give, waste? Let me give you my favorite example. All right. My favorite example was I was on the committee when the FDA approved genetically modified foods and decided that they would not be specially labeled. And I and the other three consumer representatives on that committee told the FDA that they were making 
an enormous mistake that would come back to haunt them. Yep. Because if there was nothing wrong with genetically modified foods, there was no reason not to label them. Yep. We already knew that the public, that vast proportions of the public wanted them labeled. Um, and we thought if they weren't labeled, everybody would ask the question, what are they trying to hide? Mm -hmm. And look at the mess we're in now. It took, yep. Actually, the only thing that surprises me is that it took this long. Uh, for public opinion to turn the other way so that there would be enormous pressure now for labeling. They should have done it right from the beginning. Uh, the fact that people's minds change and they, they want this information, does it always mean that they have an informed judgment that they have now uh, changed and they now they're right and maybe they were not worried about it in the past? But do, do you think consumers really know enough based on what they hear, see, read, to the extent anybody reads anything anymore, to yeah, make an I informed judgment? Yeah, I can't speak for other people. Yeah. Um, what I can say is that from the minute genetically modified foods came on anybody's radar, the public said, I want this labeled. And that has been consistent for 25 years now um, and has never changed. And right. I don't see any harm in labeling it. What's the harm? People yeah. want to know. I mean, when the industry well, started, I mean, well, I let me let me just stop you a second, Mary. Let me just say, yeah, uh, we got we, we got to take a little break. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to let you uh, talk about that. Uh, why does anybody worry about labeling? Uh, we'll discuss that just a little bit when we come back with Mary and Nestle, because this is the one thing that does bother me just a little bit in the food politics revised and expanded version we're discussing with my guest, Mary and Nestle. Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn is heard on the Genesis Communication Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Oklahoma reminds us there are many kinds of storms in our lives. Nature regularly sends us destructive storms. 24 hours before a storm strikes, people panic. It would be wise to prepare ahead of the panic curve. The food price storm from drought and livestock problems is forecast to hit ridiculous heights by the end of the summer. Wonder if there will really be a problem? eFoods Direct has a plan to maximize your food dollar and guarantee you will be glad you ordered food. Until June 30th, buy three of any food item and receive the fourth one free with free shipping. 
the guarantee. After September 20th, when you've seen what happened with food prices and shortages, if you're not glad you ordered food, return the food unopened for a full refund. Go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or call 800-409-5633. Your peace of mind guarantee. eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or 800-409-5633. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. All right, we are back with Marion Nessel, the author of Food Politics, now out in a revised, expanded paperback version. Uh, right before we had to go to that break, Marion, uh, you were talking about the labeling, and you kind of raised perhaps a hypothetical question, why would anybody object to this? I guess there, uh, my one issue with food labeling is I don't like the idea that governments force uh, companies or people to say things that they don't want to say on their own. I would much prefer to buy products that say not genetically modified because that's voluntary, because it's truthful, because people want to promote their product that way, uh, than forcing people uh, to put labels on. Maybe it's not a big deal, but to me, this this idea that government can force you to say something troubles me enough to uh, raise the issue. But the government also said that people weren't allowed to put no GMOs on the label unless they went through an elaborate process of proving that they had no GMOs. So they didn't make it easy to do it either way. No, they didn't. Um, And in a situation where there's an enormous amount of public demand and in which the industry originally intended to label 
these right. foods. Um, certainly, Calgene, the company that right. developed the genetically modified tomato, I've got a copy of its label in my files. It's a great <laughs> big tomato-shaped label yeah. with a whole lot of information in it about all the great things that it does for the environment mm. and how the technology worked to create it. And as soon as Monsanto bought that company, that was the end of it. Right. That was the end. Was the information on the now-in-your-file tomato label, uh, was that accurate at the oh, time sure. that it was made? Oh, absolutely. Including, including the pro-environmental quality of growing tomatoes this way. They claimed that if the tomato uh, had a, a more concentrated solid, that right. it wouldn't require less water for watering. Yep. I have no reason not to believe that. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, but, it, you know, again, it, it was never produced. No, but had it been produced, as long as it's based uh, on the science that is available at the time, you know, again, I'd say more power to it. And, of course, you're right that to the extent that you make it more difficult to label something honestly and accurately, if that's a government impediment to telling the truth, you know, I'm kind of uh, against that also. It's, it's like the word organic. I mean, I, I go to the store. It's, it's an organic supermarket. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. And, in fact, it doesn't mean any singular thing, does it? Oh, there's an absolute meaning for organic. If it's USDA certified organic, you know exactly what it means. It follows the rules set by the National Organic Standards Board. And it's inspected to make sure that it follows those rules. Whether you like those rules or think those rules are appropriate or not is a, is a different question. Yeah, but wait a minute. In but, other but words. Organic, but organic follows those rules or it can't use the word. It can't use the word. Well, then I am wrong about that. Then I, then I should just assume that any, should I assume that anything that uses the word organic no, is USDA in fact organic? organic. USDA certified organic. U.S. certified. USDA. Yeah, USDA certified organic. Okay, so mm -hmm. can you get away with just saying it's organic and then say, oh, we it didn't say it? It depends on what it is and what the circumstances are okay. and, whether the, and whether either the USDA or FDA feels like doing something about it. I see. Okay, so once again, it's up to them, and they don't have nearly the people, even if they're people of good faith, yeah, uh, to, to investigate. Uh, why are we an obese nation? I guess my answer, number one, two, three, and four, would be we eat too much of everything. Am I right yeah. or wrong? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, five, six, seven, and eight, or we don't exercise enough. Mm, to a lesser extent. How about what, what does the food industry want people to believe they ought to know about obesity? Why is it that, that the food industry, you know, they, they say, you know, we want to do good things. We don't want you to be overweight, blah, blah, blah. But they don't mean it. Well, they do. Um, they, do. they don't want you to eat less of their products. That's all. So you, any company that's making a food yeah. um, and wants to sell that food has, as part of its fiscal duty to Wall Street and its investors, mm -hmm. to sell more food, not less. Right, right. So 
so food companies are perfectly happy to have you cut back on other foods as long as you don't cut back on theirs. On theirs, on their food, right. Just eat, eat more carrots. Uh, what do you think of Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign in the new version of the book? Uh, you suggest that the grocery manufacturers uh, lobbying group didn't much like it in the first place, and you kind of suggest that she may have moved from emphasis on food to emphasis on exercise as the president got closer to 2012. Did they influence her campaign? No, they just simply opposed everything she was trying to do. Uh, I mean, pretty much across the board. And what I don't know, and and really don't know, is whether uh, the people who were involved in Let's Move underestimated food industry pushback. Um, they couldn't possibly have expected the level of pushback that they got because the kinds of things that they started out doing seemed so sensible. Uh, and so, and I really thought that the idea about bringing better nutrition into sure. schools and bringing better food into the inner cities were really great things to do. And it was thrilling that the First Lady of the United States was interested exactly. in the same kind of food issues that I am. I thought that was great. Sure. Um, and they did get, they were able very early in the first, in Obama administration, they were able to get the, um, the rules for school food passed. But then Congress intervened yes. and undermined them. And then the rules for a lot of other things that were started and were proposed by the obesity task force um, that was appointed pretty early on, um, those have sort of gone by the wayside or have disappeared or are still being fussed about or right. stuck in the office of management and budget sure. or Whatever, because the food industry just absolutely opposed them. The, the food and beverage industries oppose any school system, I assume, that's in, in fact opposed, whatever they say. If, you, if a school system says, look, we're getting rid of all, all of these really sugared soft drinks, we're going to at least use fruit juice, not that a lot of that doesn't have a huge amount of sugar in it, but well, there were huge battles. And again, people, there were people who acted like this was a violation of the Constitution uh, to decide to have healthier food in the snack area of a high school. Are they still fighting this? Oh, yes. They're still, yeah, how do they do yeah, this? What do the they rules, say? The rules for competitive foods haven't been released yet oh. um, by the Department of Agriculture, although I understand they're coming very soon. Okay. Um, and I expect a furor over them, just like there was a furor over the rules for school food, because eating less is not good for business, and eating less of junk foods is not good for the companies that make these really highly profitable Foods. Yeah, highly and profitable. Drink. But they do have to go uh, eventually, and they face a local community, and they say, no, no, we're going to fight. We need to keep the soft drinks in your kid's school. They really, do they, are they that blunt about it? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that... they, they don't leave a stone unturned. I mean, yeah. they're really amazing. Yeah, I guess so. Some of, the, some of the bigger companies are really quite amazing in the comprehensiveness of their involvement um, in protecting their own sales. So they will be lobbying in Congress, of course. Of course. They will also be engaging in community philanthropy. Yep. 
um, and providing grants to lots of community organizations. Sure. They'll support sports teams. They'll support yeah. concerts. They'll support That's all great. kinds of things. Yeah, at those concerts, they can then sell the beverages that exactly. you shouldn't be having. Wonderful. Exactly. That's what capitalism sometimes does for you. We'll be back with Marion Nestle. She's the author of Food Politics, now out in a revised and expanded terrific paperback version. When we come back, uh, a couple of uh, simple questions and then something about uh, what you find. Uh, for example, you, you see these ads, and they don't really say that eating their product will lower your cholesterol, but they kind of suggest it to the point where it's virtually the same as saying, take it, eat it, you'll be healthier because of it. Should we change that? We'll be back for more on Food Politics with Marion Nessel. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. You've seen them on Doomsday Preppers. You've seen them on Network Television, Shipping Wars, and the History Channel. Now, now, the strongest shelters money can buy are here. Atlas Survival Shelters. Made in America from 10-foot diameter galvanized corrugated pipe, up to 11 times stronger than square box shelters, and built to last up to 200 years. And you won't believe the amenities. Atlas shelters contain microwaves, refrigerators, big screen TVs, water tanks, septic systems, bulletproof hatches, and much more. Virtually everything you have at home, just buried 20 feet deep and bomb-proof. 
See the amazing Atlas Survival Shelters at atlassurvivalshelters.com or call 1-855-4-BUNKER. That's 855-4-B-U-N-K-E-R or atlassurvivalshelters.com. Financing now available. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here with another great idea from JasonLewisTeam.com. Now, how would you like an energy drink that's actually good for you? That's right, one that not only gives you an afternoon pick-me-up, but that's loaded with the most important antioxidants for reducing the damage from stress. It's called Pollen Burst, and it's a natural burst of energy that lasts for hours. Now, most energy drinks rely on a massive dose of caffeine, sugar, or even vitamin B. Pollen Burst takes a more balanced approach, and that's why I like it. I also love the fact that Pollen Burst has plenty of vitamin D and green tea extract. This is the best energy drink I've ever tried. So trust me, you'll not only like it better than the others, you'll love the way it's individually packaged for freshness as well. They've got these on-the-go stick packs. They're great. Pollen Burst. It's available at JasonLewisTeam.com or simply call 1-855-310-TEAM. For a natural burst of energy, it's Pollen Burst at JasonLewisTeam.com or 1-855-310-TEAM. All right, we are talking to Marion Nessel, the author of Food Politics. She's also a professor in the Department of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health up at New York University. She chaired that up until 2003. She was an advisor to the Department of Health and Human Services and all that, but as she's already explained, sometimes advice comes too little, too late, and nobody pays attention to it even when offered. So, Marion, is there one food product ad on television, for example, that drives you particularly crazy because of the, the implied or stated health benefits of a product you know isn't healthy? You know, I'm not a television watcher, and I'm afraid I'm a little behind on my commercial uh. watching. Um, but I am a great follower of cereal boxes. Yes. And I, and I have to say that cereal boxes have largely cleaned up their act um, over as there's been more and more pressure on the ones that sell cereals to young kids. Right. But I still love the one that says the number one source of whole grains. Yeah, number one source of whole grains is a cereal. It's a, it's a cereal aimed at kids right. for the first where the ingredient that's most prominent is sugar. Is sugar, yeah. Um, how about the foods, uh, the, the same cereals or, or other cereals, alternative cereals, that suggest, as I think they still do, that they can help lower cholesterol, for example. Uh, why do they say that? Can they prove that? Um, they have uh, enough, usually oat bran or some other kind of um, grain in the cereal to qualify for an official FDA-sanctioned health claim. Hmm. Um, that's a disease claim, and the FDA has to approve that one. Right. Um, you have to be a lawyer or a lobbyist to be able to tell the difference between one kind of health claim and another one. But usually the heart disease prevention or cholesterol-lowering health claims are based on uh, what the FDA said was enough evidence so that if you put some oats in there or some oat bran in there, you qualified for the claim. Okay, because the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, does regulate at some level food 
and drugs, not everything else. And as you pointed out in the original edition of the book, there are lots of so-called food supplements, and I see those in the little store in my neighborhood too, and they don't say they're drugs, and they, if, in fact, many of the bottles say at some, in very, very small, a print that I can no longer read, uh, says something like, this, this has not been approved by the FDA, meaning there have been no scientific studies about it, but there are certainly things that suggest that it's going to aid your sleep, but it's not FDA approved. Why don't those products, I mean, people are bewildered by this. Why does a, somebody that is selling a product that really is telling you in every image, in every statement, this will help you go to sleep, it's never been looked at scientifically by any government agency, but it's still, you unmistakably know you'll sleep better if you take it. How does this happen? Oh, this happened because of Congress. You have to you have to blame the supplement industry and blame Congress for this. So the supplement industry went to Congress in the late 1980s, um, complained and complained and complained. Orrin Hatch, who was the senator from yeah. Utah, yeah. which is which. Uh, as a state that houses a lot of supplement companies, um, brought this legislation forward. It was passed in 1994, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, that essentially deregulated supplements and took them out of the province of the FDA unless egregious things happened. How egregious do you have to be to get somebody to say, somebody in the government, even if it's not with the FDA, to say, you know, you can't say this does X because you can't prove it? How egregious? Uh, Yeah, they had the wording has to be different than the wording that was allowed by Congress. Congress allowed what are called structure function claims, which are claims that something in a food or a supplement or Actually, it's a supplement, but then later it got transferred mm. to food. Support some structure or function in the body. So you can't say lowers cholesterol, but you can say supports a healthy cholesterol level. Supports a healthy cholesterol level, but you can't say it you can't improves. Say it lower, you can't say it lowers cholesterol. Yeah. So you can say you can't say um, this will put you to sleep, but you can say it will support healthy sleep patterns. Supporting healthy sleep. And uh, if you were to ask, uh, say, a hundred random Americans, what the difference is between those well, two claims, they would have no idea. No, um, and even if they were lawyers, uh, they wouldn't have any idea. Well, the lawyers can tell the difference. Uh, no, they can. Well, well they can only tell other lawyers the difference. Food companies know the difference. Believe me, they do. <laughs> I bet. Okay, you. Uh, we touched on this, but I, I want to go into this because I think people find this so shocking. Even in the original version of the book, you had this section called Hardball, talking about the tactics of the food industries. And two extraordinary cases. Uh, one's the Cattlemen's Association against Oprah Winfrey. But I'd like you to start with the earlier one in Britain where McDonald's got really upset. Oh, my goodness. That yeah. was an old... Yeah, old, oh, an ancient case. but I, you an, know. an ancient case um, where uh, some kids really had said something about McDonald's. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, and McDonald's sued them. Sued the kids for, for bad-mouthing McDonald's. For bad-mouthing how, McDonald's. How extensive? Because if it's hardball, uh, they'd, they'd really get at it. So what did they do? What did McDonald's of England do? They, you know, I, 
you know, I absolutely don't remember anymore. No, but they, well, they, they sued though. They did sue. And, yeah, they and, sued these kids, and it was an and it was a enormous case, and it brought horrible publicity yeah. to McDonald's. Um, and the kids didn't. The kids won on some uh, of the things right. they were charged with, and lost on others. Um, but overall, it was considered an, an enormous victory for the. For the yeah. kids and an oh, sure. enormous embarrassment for McDonald's. Yeah, but the Cattlemen's Association apparently hadn't read that case lately either because their lawsuit against Oprah Winfrey also, I think, by most standards, made them look incredibly idiotic. Well, they did, and Oprah Winfrey won that case, but it cost her about a million dollars in legal fees, and that yep. has had an enormously chilling effect. On other, and there are about 13 states that have these kinds of, they're called veggie libel laws, right. where you're not allowed to say bad things about food products. Um, almost everybody thinks that they are unconstitutional, yep. but nobody wants to spend the money to take one of these things to the Supreme Court. No, and I, uh, they might actually, um, this is, an, ironically, I'm not sure how it cuts that uh, increasingly the court, including last just last week, uh, seemed to get real nervous about this idea you and I talked about a few minutes ago, compelled uh, speech. Uh, this is the opposite of it. This is a, a, an industry or a, a celebrity or and a consumer who says, you know, this stuff is terrible. And over the Internet, of course, you can learn more and more about what people think about every product, and you're starting to see litigation over comments that are made that some company, usually a small company, against a single uh, person who's really agitated, put bad press on the Internet, uh, sues the person for, you know, putting something up on a, on a standard, uh, something like an Angie's List, although I don't think Angie's List has been sued yet. But, uh, you know, we live in America. I guess you can sue uh, everybody about anything. Does a single change, Marion, you could make a big change here in Washington that would make a difference, one piece of legislation that would make help make America healthier, nothing's going to make us perfect, what would it be? Um, preventing marketing of junk food to kids. Preventing marketing of junk foods to kids. Yeah, that's where I'd start. Which, of course, would raise a significant constitutional issue in its own right, but you, but you believe we ought to try it anyway. I think that there, you know, there are places that are restricting marketing yep. of, food, of foods to kids, and they're finding much lower, much smaller problems with obesity and other kinds of health problems. Uh, and yep. I think it's something that, you know, every now and then Congress tries. This is not the Congress. Our, our current dysfunctional right. Congress is not the one where we're going to try this. They Probably can't pass the farm bill. No. Um, they're certainly not going to consider something like this. But the, uh, it's something that should be there, and I'm hoping that local areas will we'll try sure. to do something like this on the local level. There are lots of constitutional lawyers who yep. think that yep. enough harm is done by marketing to children 
that there's that, a le- sure. that there's a legal basis. And that for it. and that is the standard. You've got to demonstrate the harm, and uh, that's what the uh, courts do in adjudicating these kinds of claims uh, time and time again on all kinds of other issues. Marion Nestle, thank you, Nestle, thank you very much for being with us. Food politics now out in paperback, revised and expanded, terrific read. That does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The location, Denver Convention Center. Timeline, June 27th through 29th, 2013. The event, the Doomsday Expo. Our world and nation are changing. It's time for an educational experience that will enlighten you and the entire family at the Doomsday Expo, June 27th, 28th, and 29th at the Denver Convention Center. Check out the latest survival products. Learn valuable survival techniques. Meet other preppers and meet guest speakers, including Dr. Joel Wallach, Scott Hunt, Jay Blevins, and more. Boost your knowledge with seminars on natural disaster preparedness, long-term prepping, survival gardens, self-defense, off-grid living, and financial planning. Ladies will get a valuable female perspective on family defense and preparedness. There's even a casting call for Nat Geo's Doomsday Preppers, and everyone will enjoy the first dry food cook-off. Tickets are just $14 for all three days and a Saturday evening concert. Mark your calendars for June 27th through 29th and get all the details at DoomsdayExpo.com. DoomsdayExpo.com. Preparation starts here. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Let's go cruising again. Yes, take another wild and crazy ride with me down the twisted road of Texas Senator Ted Cruz's mind. The new darling of Tea Party Republicans got elected last year in part by stoking right-wing fear that the United Nations is planning to seize America's golf courses. Riding that momentum, Cruz is now gaining national notoriety as a senator who takes extremism to the extreme and beyond. Ted's latest trip swerves through the immigration debate. He uses the personal saga of his father to make the case that there should be no path to citizenship for the millions of undocumented immigrants living here, no matter how much they're contributing to our economy and society. 
Daddy Cruz, he points out again and again, followed the rules 66 years ago to leave Cuba and became an American citizen. Quote, every step of the way, the elder Cruz recently affirmed in a radio interview, I have been here legally. Well, not every step. Rafael Cruz admits that he only got here by bribing a Cuban official. Technically speaking, that's illegal. Still, father and son both tear up in telling how Rafael got a job, eventually going on to start a small business and to work towards the American dream. Unmentioned in this soaring Horatio Alger tale is that Rafael did all of that American dream stuff in Canada, where he became a citizen and where Ted was born. In fact, Rafael did not become an American citizen until 2005, nearly half a century after leaving Cuba. What took him so long? I don't know, the father now says, adding ruefully, I guess laziness. This is Jim Hightower saying, really? How does that rationalize slamming America's door in the face of other hardworking immigrants? I guess Ted thinks they should have bribed their way to America. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear. But there are common sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one-half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949 and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called GoFoods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL and it's called www.kcaafoods.com. Now this website forwards to the Go Foods product site. Again, Go Foods packages, prepares, and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat, dehydrated, non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My Go Foods service costs a little over $100 a month, and in a few months I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy Go Foods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy, so to subscribe to this food service just like I have, go to the following website, www.kcaafoods.com or Call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. 
I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Satan's armies come to kill. This is war. Good evening and welcome. This is Pastor Butch Paul, Wednesday night, the 26th day of June 2013. Welcome to the broadcast. Before I forget it, we're going to have a guest on tomorrow night that you may want to listen to. If you've been following the news, I know it's been all the news here in West Virginia, I think even national news about the young boy that was arrested. Uh... Basically, well, threatened with a year in jail now uh, because he refused to take off a T-shirt he wore to school uh, promoting the NRA and gun rights. This happened right here in Logan County, West Virginia. Tomorrow night we'll be talking to a young man's daddy to discuss what's going on with this case. A lot going on there, folks, and so much unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And, of course, you know what the Supreme Court ruled today. I hate to say I told you so, because most of you already know this, but I told you so. And so have you told many other people. The Supreme Court ruling with the homosexuals are going to open up all kinds of evils like you can't imagine. You mark my words. I was right on this 20 years ago. I'm right on again. Unbelievable evils are about to happen in this country. Um, immorality like you just, you just can't comprehend. And don't get tomorrow. It is Thursday. I'll be in the office all day tomorrow from 9 to 4 Eastern to take your phone calls. And if it's after 4 o'clock Eastern time, if I haven't talked to you and you ask me to call back, I will call you back. Sometimes it's later than 4 o'clock, obviously. But stay by your phone. If I say I'll call you back, 